to others. So Jesus, that's all there is. You wouldn't expect us to go through a church service without some sort of technology issue, would you? So, sorry about that, but uh, thank you, Pat, for finding that and sharing that with us. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Now, again, the word alleluia, in case you don't know, means praise the Lord. And so we do that today for what he's done for us. Jesus is risen, and today I want to talk about where you are seated. That doesn't make any sense, huh? A little strange. Matthew chapter 28, verse 2, it says, An angel descended and, and sat, and when the guards saw him, they did anything but sit. They saw an angel, which is scary enough, and then there was an earthquake as that stone was rolled away. Now, my wife and I have a friend that we got to know from Seward, Nebraska, Concordia University up there, and he was out in uh, California, and he experienced an earthquake, and when he experienced it, he quick ran into a, a closet and began to yell the Lord's Prayer, which is pretty great. I can think of a lot of other things that people might be yelling when in the midst of an earthquake. So how do we handle those scary situations? Well, I'd like us not to be like the guards who became like dead men. I'd like us to sit and listen to Jesus. First, we'll find out about that. The angel spoke to the women, and this is what he shared with them. That he shared the truth about Jesus, that he was risen from the dead. And now remember, this is an unusual raising. Because Jesus raised people from the dead, Right? Lazarus was raised from the dead. The widow of Nain, her son, was raised from the dead. There have been a number of those that Jesus raised from the dead. What makes this one unique is that all the rest of them died again. But Jesus rose never to die again. The angel also shared with them, come and see. Come and see this empty tomb. Just like with the rest of the disciples, we'll look at this next week, I believe, where it talks about Thomas. So the disciples saw him. They weren't believing yet, but when they saw Jesus, then they believed. Thomas, until he saw Jesus, would not believe. Paul also was converted as Jesus came and said, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? When Paul was persecuting the church. So The angel tells them the truth about Jesus. The angel says, come and see. And then the angel says, go and tell. Go and tell. And while they were going, Jesus met them and he reassured them. He said, don't be afraid. He said, carry out your mission and you will see me. You know, my dad, he longs for the day when Jesus will come and take him home. There might be a number of you as well. I I have some people I know in this congregation that they long for that day of resurrection. They long for that day to be gone from here, from this difficult world, so they could be in the presence of their loved ones again. And I say, that's wonderful, and that's a good thing, and I'm glad you're looking forward to reconnecting with all those in Christ. But you know what's really going to be awesome? We're going to be able to see the face of Jesus. 
the one who so loved us, he came, took on flesh, lived a perfect life in our place, died on the cross for you, and rose again victorious for you. That's who Mary had a chance to see. That's who you one day will see face to face. Now, that's what Jesus said. And Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, listened to the Lord. And it reminds me of Luke chapter 10, verse 39. In Luke 10, it says this right here. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. And that's what we have a picture of up here. Are you seated there listening to what the Lord said? And of course, all of you today say, sure, yes, we're here in church. Well, in your house, but you're here taking this in. Yes, we're here to listen to what Jesus has to say. What would be the contrast to that? Well, if we go just a little bit further, we see what it says. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me here to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Lots of distractions in our world. Lots of things that keep us from sitting at the feet of Jesus. So what's the outcome of this different way, either being distracted, all these other things, sitting somewhere else, or sitting at the feet of Jesus, our risen Lord and Savior? What's the outcome of the different sources? And I would say it's even more extreme than the difference between listening to Fox News and CNN. You ever happen to listen to both of those over the same issue? You can't even believe it's the same thing that happened based on what they report about that issue. Listen to what Psalm 1 says. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Law there is the word Torah. It means not only it means instruction. It means not only as Lutherans we talk about law and gospel. It doesn't just mean what we are to do and not to do, but it also means what God has done for us in Jesus. And so when he's meditating on the law, he's meditating on God's instruction, including the promise of a coming Savior. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So think on that. A little, again, I've shared with this with you before, but a piece of chaff is like some dead skin. And if I barely blew, it would fly off my hand. Compare that with a hundred-year-old oak tree. That's the difference 
sitting, listening to the ways of the world or sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him. I want us to hear that because what happened when those, young, when those ladies were running away from the tomb to go share is Jesus met them and he listened and, and they listened to him. Do we need also to listen to Jesus while we're on mission? Do we need to be reminded not to be afraid? Do we need to be reminded of, yes, he really is alive and the news we're sharing is truth? And do we need to be reminded also of that good news that one day we will see him face to face? Absolutely. Now, when I thought about my own life and reviewing that and working with others, where uh, I, th- I think about where is it that we sit? Who do we listen to? And I want you to, to repeat with me three words, okay? Standards, eyes, Savior. Standards, eyes, Savior. So I want you to ask yourself, I'm going to read a few things to you real quick, but I want you to think, who gets to set the standards in my life? Whose eyes are most important? And who gets to be the Savior? Let's look at this from the book Good and Angry by David Paulison, one of my favorite authors. Again, the book is Good and Angry, and it's talking about those moments when you and I get angry at ourselves. Does that ever happen for you? Do you ever get angry at yourself? Yeah, me too. Okay, so I'm just going to read some things to you. It says, I hate myself because I'm ugly, weak, and clumsy. Couldn't help but when I watched that last little video and I saw Pontius Pilate, I thought, That's what I look like right now. Ugly, weak, and clumsy. I condemn myself. Number two, I condemn myself because I'm not as extroverted as other people. So I feel very self-conscious in social situations. Number three, I feel like a failure because I didn't get straight A's or get married or rise to the top in my career. And I haven't made the money my parents and siblings make. Number four, I feel like my life is a mistake because my birth mother gave me up for adoption. Number five, there's something very wrong with me because I was sexually molested. Number six, I feel like a second-class person because of my ethnic or cultural background or because I have a disability. Number seven, I loathe myself because I slept with my girlfriends or boyfriends or both and used pornography. I feel soiled and humiliated. Number eight, I hate myself because I stole money from my workplace and cheated on my taxes. I'm racked by guilt and feel like the word thief is branded on my forehead. Number nine, I continually hear a voice of self-condemnation because I had an abortion. All the reasons people give about why it's okay just sound like self-justifying excuses. Whenever you and I get angry with ourselves, I wonder who gets to set the standards. Did you notice in those things that I read that some of those standards were simply set by me? How I look? Some are set by others. Am I meeting the criteria of my family or my culture? 
and some are set by God. When you become angry, when things get, go wrong, whose standards are you most worried about? I can tell you that this last week, I had a down day because I didn't meet my own personal standards, and it really impacted my life and my wife. Or maybe your standards didn't fit with what the family thought you should do. I would love to be able to have a show of hands. I wonder how many black sheep we have in our family. I, I know you think I am, but I'm actually not the black sheep in my family. It's my brother, okay? But I wonder, does it really matter what the rest of the family thinks about what kind of sheep you are? In other words, where am I seated? Am I seated? This is a feast of victory for God. Sorry, not singing very well today. Kurt's looking at me saying, stop singing. Where am I seated? Am I seated at the feast? Am I remembering who I am in Jesus? Or am I seated before the mirror, checking myself out by the family, letting them tell me who I am. Who gets to set the standards? Who's looking at me and telling me who I am? And finally, is Jesus. Is Jesus the one who sets the standards? By the way, when Jesus sets the standards, how well are you and I doing? I think every Sunday when we gather together, even during midweek when we gather together, one of the first things we do in church is we confess our sins because we don't do it well enough, which is why Jesus had to die and rise to give us hope. He sets the standards. He's always looking, but he's looking at us in love. And then listen to what it says here. In Romans chapter 6, also in Colossians 2, it says, we hear that we were buried with Christ in baptism and raised with him to new life. We're raised with him to new life. If we sit at his feet and hear that again and again, you are a new creation in Christ. We are raised to new life. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 is talking about that difference between here's the doctrine, here's the truth, and here's how I'm going to live it out. Well, if I try and live it out without sitting, sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to who he says that I am, and being built up by him moment by moment, day by day, we'll never live out our new life in Christ. When I am with Christ, it says that my life is hidden with Christ in God. Christ who is seated at the right hand of God, and I am seated with Christ. Secure in him. Secure in Christ when going through a pandemic. Secure in Christ when I can't hug my family in Christ. When I can't rejoice in the same building with the body of Christ here. Not only being sad and overwhelmed by our isolation, But because of our union with Christ and being raised with Christ, we can now do some new things. 
We can seek the kingdom of God. We can seek his return. Just like Psalm 1, we sit and we listen to Christ, and that then impacts what we do. Colossians 3, verse 17 speaks about whatever we do, do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then these beautiful words from 1 Corinthians 15. Listen to these. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You see, we listen to our God. We're seated with him in the heavenly realms, new identity in Jesus, and set free for a meaningful life. You know, when I get down on myself is oftentimes when I'm just being lazy. Anybody just get lazy? I wish I could tell the joke that Juana told me yesterday, okay? Something along the lines of this, and I'm going to get it wrong, and she can correct it, okay? But after this whole thing is over, half of us will be pregnant, and the other half will look like we are. Is that right? It's pretty close, okay? And so when I'm just sitting there doing nothing, being lazy, starting to look a little bit like I've got a few months under my belt, right? In those moments, we need to remember, oh, wait, I'm seated with Christ in the heavenlies, eyes on things above. Who do I need to love so I don't keep living in fear of the pandemic or living selfishly only for me? but remembering what he says, because he is risen not only to win for us salvation, but to go every step of the way with us, walking with us to, into a new and meaningful life with him. Amen.